this last of three sessions on 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, I have one main question, namely, how? If by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace is not in vain when it comes to me, but rather, on the contrary, causes me to work. On the contrary, instead of the grace coming in vain, I worked harder than any of the other apostles, Paul says. And if that work is enabled by grace in such a way that it is not I, but the grace of God that is with me, how do I do that? What, what's my part? Am I just a glove and, and grace is the hand and, and I just lie there in bed and I, I wait and, and grace makes me what I am by uh, putting itself in the glove of my life and then uh, animating me so that there's no uh, participation in my mind or my heart um, and my body is just more robot-like. What? How does this? How does this happen? That's that's my question. So, Father, show us how to so work by grace that it will be really true that it is not we who are working, but you who are working. And yet, the statement "I worked harder than any of them" will not be false. I ask this help. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just get it clear. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Rather, on the contrary, I worked, instead of it being in vain and producing nothing but a lazy bones, inactive, passive, I worked harder than any of them. And yet, as I was working, it is true, it was not I, what do you mean it was not you? It was the grace of God that was with me. It was with me. That may be a key word here because it didn't replace Paul. And yet the activity of grace with Paul was so decisive that Paul could say in a real sense, it was not I. It was the grace. When I worked, it was grace so working that it was not I working how? What do we do? Here's a first clue in Galatians 2.20. And I go here because of the the similar kind of uh, uh, not me but Christ or but grace language. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So I'm not alive. But Christ, who lives in me, that's like saying, I didn't do the work, grace did the work. And the life I now live, whoa, you just said you were dead. I no longer live the life I now live. So there's a sense in which he died, and Christ is the one who lives instead of him. But now there's another way to say it. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Now, that's my clue right there. That's huge, isn't it? Instead of just giving us a paradox that uh, we're not living, but Christ is living, 
Oh, yes, we are living. But now he says, the sense in which Christ is living in me and I'm not living is that the old unbelieving me is not living and the new believing me. I'm believing in Christ. I'm believing in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm going to argue now that faith is the how, that our minds are active in this process here where it says, I worked, but it was not I. I'm going to argue that the way grace kicks in with us so powerfully is through faith. We believe something. Notice something in, in Ephesians. This is still Galatians. Christ who lives in me, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. So in a sense, Christ must be living in me by faith. And look what it says in Ephesians 3. I bow my knees before the Father, as Paul praying for us now, from whom every family in the heaven and on earth is named, that, I'm going to skip down to this petition right here, I am praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, he's praying to, to you, Christians. May the Lord grant you your, your, grant you in your hearts through faith. Well, isn't Christ already in our hearts if we are Christians? Yes, he is. But there's a sense in which evidently the dwelling of Christ becomes animated and active and lively and more effective and real and experienced. So back here where he says in Galatians, it is Christ who lives in me. I'm no longer living, but I am alive. And the sense in which I am alive and Christ is alive is that I'm living by faith because it's by faith that Christ becomes living and active and powerful and experienced and transforming in my life. Now, let's see some examples of how this faith actually does this. So I'm arguing, say it again, I worked harder than any of them but it was not I, but grace means I didn't just set out to work. I trusted the grace of God to come to me and work with me with such power that it would get the credit and not I. So here we go. Examples. Here's Hebrews. This is the great example chapter, isn't it? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So I'm arguing in fact, all three of these sessions are kind of on future, future grace. That's the book I wrote on this. I'm arguing that we trust grace. We hope for grace to come to help us in whatever the situation is, financial situation, relational situation, uh, health situation. God, I need your help. I trust your grace to come and help me. That's what faith is. And here's a few instances of it in action. By faith, Abraham. So what did Abraham do? When he was tested, he, by faith, offered up Isaac. Now that's work. He got up early, it says, he got some wood, he got the, the animals, he headed off to the mountain, he worked by faith. 
And he who had received the promises was, in fact, in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. In other words, I've, God made a promise to him that Isaac would be his heir, and now he's about to kill Isaac. How could he act that way? He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. By faith, Abraham believed the promise that God would raise him from the dead, if that's the way he's going to do it. And it was this confidence and this promise that produced that work and that obedience. That's what I mean by faith being the means by which grace kicks in and produces this kind of obedience. Here's another example. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused Refused, that's what faith did, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated. He, he, he took steps that led to his mistreatment, and he did it by faith with the people of God to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth by faith. So he refused, he chose, he considered all by faith the reproach, consider, the, the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. So this faith here was a looking to the reward, a confidence, there's going to be a reward for me that is so much greater than all the wealth of Egypt, all the pleasures of sin, that this faith in this reward is giving me the gracious power to refuse, to choose, to consider, and thus to walk those people right out of Egypt. Now, here's one last observation. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, whoever serves, so works, obeys, lives, Whoever serves, let him do so as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So there you have it. Not I, but grace with me. God, God by grace is supplying the strength for the service so that I can say I served Yet it was not I, but the strength of God, the grace of God supplied to me that was working with me and instead of me in a decisive sense. It was giving rise to all the decisive impulses. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever. The, the giver gets the glory. The giver of strength. By the strength that God supplies, the giver gets the glory. That's the point here. In everything, God gets the glory. So let's go back and sum up. What I'm trying to answer is when it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was not in vain. But on the contrary, I worked. I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me, the way we're involved, the way, the how of the question is faith. So I'll sum it up like this. It starts with um, grace, the grace of God. Grace first gives a promise. 
a promise of future grace. I'm going to help you in the next five minutes. Or I'm going to help you in the next five years. Or I'm going to, I'm going to help you 5,000 years from now when you are facing judgment. So grace produced the promise, and we, we trust, believe, have faith in that, in that promise. And in that faith, the power of grace, God's grace, is being activated. Right here in this happening, grace is happening. And that's how the grace then produces the obedience or the work or the living. And that leads to the glory of God. So this is not, we're not left with just a meaningless paradox here when Paul says, I worked harder than any, though it was not I, but the grace of God. We are given ample instruction in the Bible how to put this together. We do work. We feel like we're working. We think like we're working. We believe like we're working because the way we're working is by trusting the promise of God's ever-arriving gracious help. And through that faith, the power of God activates us and frees us to do what God commands us to do. And when we do it in His grace and His power through faith. He gets the glory.